0: Tonight's episode of the Bill Simmons podcast on the ringer podcast network is brought to you by Spotify, where you should be listening to your podcasts because you can change the speeds. You can zoom through an awesomely curated library. You can go check out the charts and find out the hottest new podcast, biggest podcast podcast separated by genre. So there you go. I don't know what else to tell you. Spotify, best podcast experience you can have. Um, speaking of Spotify, the ringer, podcast network, which is a part of the Spotify family. We launched 10 questions with Kyle Brandt last week, as well as sound only two new podcasts. We also have, uh, the rewatchables did Caddyshack, um, on Monday, me and Sean fantasy 40 year anniversary. So if you missed that, go check that out. We have another rewatchables coming on Wednesday night where, uh, it's a movie. It's the first time this ever happened. We could not find the movie streaming anywhere. That's all I'm gonna say. We somehow found it. Um, and we'll have the whole story about that on Wednesday night's podcast. So um, there you go. Coming up, we're gonna talk to uh Joe House late night after a dramatic Lakers loss to Portland, talking about the first 48 hours we were calling it uh, the bubble overreactions, because we're ready to overreact left and right to everything we saw in there. And then uh Triple H. Yeah. One of the most famous WWE performers of the last thirty years. He's coming on as well to talk about what's going on with their business during the pandemic and a whole bunch of other things. First, our friends from Pearl jam. All right. We're taping this super late on Tuesday night. We're waiting for the end of the Lakers-Blazers game. we were assuming we might have something to talk about after that game. House, an amazing two days, eight basketball games, one after the other, all day here on the West Coast, starting at like uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Six of the games were really good, and then it culminated with an uh-oh. Uh-oh, the Blazers take a one nothing lead over the Lakers. Oh my God. House,
1: uh, I'm dying to overreact. I cannot wait to overreact to the yeah. past two days of basketball.
0: Yeah. Whatever no. we do, let's not overreact and have, th- Oh no, no. Let's totally overreact. Let's do this. I'm, I'm dying to overreact, baby. Um, all right, let's start with the blazers. Cause that just happened. So, you and I both like the Lakers in this series. The Blazers won us a lot of money in the bubble. We love them. I watched every Blazers game. I still love them. I still love them. And it was weird rooting against them. It was like rooting I against know. an ex-girlfriend. But that's right. We just thought they have no answer for LeBron. They have no answer for Dave for Davis. They have five guys. So okay, so it's not gonna happen. And then you watch the game. The big guys that Portland has were actually like a pretty nice matchup against the Lakers. They were able to play Whiteside and Nurkic at the same time in a couple stretches. And I, I don't know. They they defended LeBron okay. They whatever was going on with Davis, I didn't fully understand it. He didn't really look like himself until the second half, but all of their weaknesses never really fermented and got used against them. The pace was slower. The points were, you know, headed toward the 90s. I think it ended up like 193, something like that. But at the more I watched, I was like, the Lakers actually might be in trouble here. What did you think? No, so um, you, you just
1: hit on, on like three of the four key points. The pace was a Lakers pace. The style of play was a Lakers style of play. The, they, they had the matchups that they wanted in place. The key component, you mentioned it, was Anthony Davis. Where was Anthony Davis? Why is he catching the ball outside the three-point line, and holding it for one beat, for two beat. Now a dribble. Now a pass. He looked lost. Had they not run an offense with Anthony Davis catching the ball and initiating from the perimeter, it looked like it was a first-time experiment tonight. Put him down in the post and let him do his work. I love it with LeBron. That's the whole effing point of those two together.
0: Well, here's the thing. They look bad in the in the bubble for them offensively.
1: They sure did.
0: Milwaukee also didn't look like the same Milwaukee we saw in the regular season. And you're like, oh, when the playoff starts, they'll get going. But the playoff starts, you're in a bubble. You don't have the fans. You're not getting the lift from being at home. All the advantages you get as as the top seed. And they, they had all the same problems tonight that we worried about. I didn't worry about it. I was embracing it because I hate the Lakers. But You look at like Caldwell Pope, 29 minutes, 0 for 9. Caruso, who they desperately need without Rondo and Bradley, 29 minutes, 1 for 6. Deion Waiters, who looked promising in the bubbles, plays 1 minute. Um, And then Davis, as you mentioned, was 8 for 24. Now, I think one of the reasons, and one of the reasons we liked the Lakers so much before the pandemic was they were so big. They had so much size. They could overpower teams, all that stuff. Well, guess what? they they couldn't really overpower this Blazers team that had some big dudes from a rebounding standpoint it was they were plus 5 but you know Davis and LeBron had to when around the rim they got stuffed a couple times they uh they weren't getting the same offensive boards that they usually get from from uh I guess they had 17 offensive boards that's pretty good but but uh, no, the,
1: the, the Lakers were all set up. They played the bully ball style that they needed to play. They are up six points with seven minutes and 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter, 87-81. So that's exactly the kind of point total that you want in the fourth quarter if you're the Lakers playing. Portland, by the way, ended up scoring uh, 70, uh, 64 points. After the first quarter, they had 36 points in the first quarter and mm. 64 through the remainder of the game. So the Lakers were able to impose their defensive will impose their style of play. But they 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 lost all their offensive advantage in the last seven minutes of the game by they brought Cantavius off the bench again inexplicably, I mean, here's part of the, the challenge I have. They need a third but who's, player. Who are you
0: going to play? You're going to play Davis? It's Kuzma. Get Kuzma off. Kuzma needs
1: to be starting the games. Get it, Let him touch the ball seven times at the beginning of the game. Build his confidence and then get him off. He's their third best player. It's not really a, 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 a mystery at this point with this composition well, 14, of the Lakers.
0: He had 14. Danny Green, who started out cold, he finished with 10, but... You know, if I'm the Blazers, I'm looking at that game and I'm thinking, we didn't even play that well. We we shot 39%. We only made 13 threes. We had uh, a typical 0 for 2 from Hazonia, the worst player in the league. We had only 2 for 8 from Gary Trent, who's just starting to cool off, crash back to earth a little bit. And then our guy Gabriel, who nobody ever heard of until a week ago, uh, 16 minutes, 2 for 2. Carmelo's only 3 for 11. Nurkic was four for eleven. Like it, I, I didn't even really feel like they played well. Lillard was only nine for twenty-one. Got to the line a couple of times, but you know he made a couple long ones. But he, he didn't have like those crazy Dame Lillard stretches that he was having during the bubble. So if I'm Portland, I'm leaving this game, and I'm like, this is pretty good for us because yeah, I mean the adjustments for the Lakers are going to be to get rid of their centers. And play Davis at the five more and try to spread it out with more shooting and try to, cause they were getting killed in transition, stuff like that. But if they're taking out the centers and playing Davis at five, that wears him down. There's just, there's some good things in play here for Portland is my point.
1: Well, the, 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 the to me, the single biggest determining factor was Portland having played playoff basketball now for eight games, right? Yeah. Game Lillard did not score in the second half of this game until there was about, you know, six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. He didn't score in the third quarter, but the poise of Portland, Gary Trent, you mentioned that that he didn't make, he made a huge three. Mello made a huge three. Dame made two huge threes. McCollum made two gigantic baskets they just were poised all the way through and the Lakers with with 90 seconds left in the game and the game still you know very much uh hanging in the balance started taking these rushed off balance disorganized threes they didn't try and foul at all to create the the you know length in the game at all it really looked like a a, a team you know playing in October in November right just getting used to each other well, and maybe that's the point of the bubble right
0: because they don't know who they are.
1: That's it. I'm with you.
0: And this is why I like Miami so much. We bet you and I bet before the playoffs, we bet on Miami and the Clips of 40 to 1.
1: In a final. Want, as, the, as the final as the finals. Yeah.
0: I want teams for four rounds who know who they are. Davis and LeBron know who they are. Kuzma is fine. But if, if like, and I agreed with what you said, they need him to come through as their third guy. He has no experience in that. is the first playoff game he ever played in. And you go on down the line. I just don't trust some of their guys. I don't trust Caruso. I don't trust Caldwell Pope. By the way, I'm not even sure those guys would crack the Celtics nine man rotation. Right. And you think like, you think about <laughs> get it, them get when, in
1: that Celtics thing. We're talking Lakers. Get that Celtics. Get well, that in the ass. Would, that, would, it,
0: would either of those guys play for the Bucs? Oh, either, yes, they would
1: They would definitely play for
0: the Bucs. Would Bucks. Did those you watch guys the Bucks play Bucks for the tonight? Clippers? No, the I, I don't know. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I, uh, anyway. I'm so mad at us that we abandoned the Blazers after yeah. how well they treated us in the bubble. Uh, they were like yeah. a blackjack dealer that hooked us up for an entire night and just gave us 21s and double downs and gave us kings. And we're winning. We're tipping them. They're just hooking us up for eight hours. And then... We see them at the craps table and we're like, we're betting don't come against you. And the guy's like, what happened? <laughs> I just let you money for friends. eight hours. What happened? I we we're
1: friends. We are so mad. Friends. We Me have too. to
0: we have to go back and uh and and go against this. So I think there's going to be a huge overreaction, overcorrection. What's wrong with the Lakers? But the great thing about bubble basketball is there's so many games, it lasts eight hours. And, yes. and it's not like you can hear the home crowd get nervous or anything like that. And I, I do think like Milwaukee mentioned it today. One of the guys on Milwaukee, I think it was George Hill mentioned how, uh, after the game that it was just weird. Like they had played all year for the one seed. They thought they would have this home court advantage that would give them a lift. And now they're just in this bubble and they really have no advantage at all other than the prompts and the voice things. it was like, it's tough. And at on the one hand, you're like, all right, that's an excuse. Like, get over it. You have the best team. And the other hand, you're like, well, all that's doing is evening out. All of these different seeds, right? You have a one seed versus an eight seed, but ultimately who fucking cares? You're playing in a, in a gym.
1: In the history of the league, has there ever been an instance where the two, eight seeds in the first playoff games of the series beat the one seeds?
0: Well, you know what it's like? It's like hockey. This shit happens in hockey all the time. And hockey is a place where home ice advantage just doesn't matter at all. Teams can go and win a game seven, wherever they don't care. They're just skating around. And I wonder if the bubble playoffs, if this is turned into hockey. So if I'm, I found the blazers. Cause I don't think the lower seed can win a series without winning game one. And that's why the poor Zingas ejection was so devastating last night. Cause now Dallas has to beat them four to six times. Not realistic. If you're trying to pull off an upset, you have to win game one. And that's the history of all of these upsets. Nobody's like, oh yeah. Remember that time we lost game one. And then we pulled off an upset. Very rarely happens. You get to set the tone in that first game. You see, you don't know this. You're, you wizards bullets. You know, you haven't really had any good playoff memories in 40 years. So I mean, I'm that, just telling you from my that's unnecessary. experience from that's my unnecessary. experience, I will like. say
1: this. Did you watch, uh, the TNT crew? Did you watch Charles Barkley tonight?
0: Well, he was saying it was a must win for the Lakers before the game. I mean, he w- he that, was hilarious. not only did he
1: say that he said, if Portland won this game tonight, that
0: Portland's going to sweep this series. Yeah, but that's when he's doing the crazy. I know, stuff.
1: but he's he also called Kyle Kuzma Carl, which was spectacular. Carl. <laughs> he called I, Carl. Kuzma. We just call him Carl Kuzma anyway. It's fine with me. It works. I mean,
0: he, here's why, with, Here's why there won't be a sweep. There's going to be a game where there's going to be like a sixty to ten. Free throw advantage. Uh, I, I, I thought we were going to get it today. Yeah. Too, LeBron. LeBron had one where he committed three fouls at the same possession. with uh, somehow ended up at the line. I was like, oh, all right. They're going to make yeah. sure the Lakers win this. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, I don't like what I've seen from them. They do not look like the team from the first week of March when they took care of business that weekend. We were like, oh, this is the best team in the league. I do not feel like they're the best team in the league. And guess what? That was almost six months ago. It's, well, it's like half a year, and a, so much can change.
1: There's a lot of pressure on the LA Brain Trust because what we saw out of Anthony Davis standing out there outside the three-point line, repeatedly catching the ball and holding it tentatively taking he was awful taking threes it was like the best defense that the Blazers played was letting Anthony Davis have the ball outside the three-point line and letting Contavious Caldwell Pope shoot every time he touched the ball that was their best defense tonight
0: yeah Contavious you're open for a reason as Jane LaRose would say I uh I, I heard this dialogue a couple times in a couple different places about people talking about And we, we both really like and appreciate Davis. And I think we properly evaluate him as one of the best eight players in the league, but people are wondering, is this the best teammate LeBron's ever had to me? That's so offensive to Dwayne Wade. All I'm saying is Anthony Davis make a round three before we're saying you were a better LeBron teammate all time than Dwayne Wade in 2011, Wade and LeBron were two of the three best guys in the league. And if, that game two in the finals doesn't flip. And then Dirk just starts playing out of his mind. And Jason Terry makes it and flips that series. And Dallas ends up winning. Stop. Wade would have had two in six years. He ended up winning two more anyway. Come on.
1: Well, wait, wait, wait. Don't do the whole sports talk radio thing. Who is, yeah. who is it that's saying that I've Anthony heard it Davis over and isn't? over again. I mean, where is it in people... LA? People are saying it in LA. Who's <laughs> people... who are the people? People are saying stuff. People are saying it. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, p- patently absurd. By the way, I'm Anthony not doing Davis- the Doris
0: Burke where I'm where I'm didn't read the whole thing and I'm just going to throw somebody oh, under the bus. No,
1: yeah, oh, no. no, I'm just saying it's oh, been no. a thing
0: that's out there. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus.
1: <laughs> I just want to remind everybody Anthony Davis is a free agent after the season.
0: Oh, <laughs> <I like where laughs> if you- things don't go good. I like where you're going with that. Um, things don't go good. Hey, speaking of Dwayne Wade's old Miami team. I loved what they did today cuz I yeah. thought Indiana actually w- was had a good game plan, did all the stuff they wanted to do in that game. And Miami's just really good. Guess what? When you when you're making threes and you're doing that slash and kick stuff and it never ends. And you always have three shooters out there and you always have two guys who can create it's just too hard to keep up with it, especially Indiana lost a Depot early, but
1: there you go. Um, I mean, I, I'm glad you, that's the point, right? Like they don't, they don't have Sabonis, bonus and they don't have Depot and notwithstanding that I thought they were super competitive. I was so impressed with Indiana, but, but ultimately you and I both love Miami and we what we saw out of them today validates our, our point of view on why we think they have, the recipe for long-term success in the East.
0: They, uh, you know, didn't even, I wouldn't even say they played like that great today. They're only 13 for 35 from three. Uh, yeah, the best 37% is pretty good. No, Butler was really good. Yeah. Dragic is really good, but they're role guys who normally, you know, out of Harrow, out of Olenek, Duncan Robinson, maybe Crowder, they'll usually get two of those guys going. The only guy we got going today was Hero, who it just fucking kills me over and over again because of what happened to the Celtics. <laughs> they lose the coin flip. That dude would be playing for us. But um, mm. I, I, there were a couple teams that I thought just took care of business in these first 48 hours. They were one of them. I loved what Harden did. Harden's just like, hey, by the way, I, for everyone saying OKC okay is okay, so the big upset pick, I'm still the best player in this series. Settle down. And he did his whole thing, and then, uh, and then yesterday, um, I thought Tatum took care of business. I liked what Toronto did against the Nets, but I thought Tatum played such a good game. And I want to get to the Celtics a little bit later. But then even the Clippers, the Porzingis thing, whatever. I still think the Clippers probably win that game, but I like that they they were awesome initially took a huge haymaker from the, what was that? There was 48 to 18 run, whatever. And then just kind of figured it out and they have some real mismatches. Like the Paul George thing is just a huge mismatch for, for Dallas. But, um, so, you know, the teams that took care of business versus the Milwaukee Lakers, it's kind of jarring. I don't feel like it's just like, oh, that's an aberration. Milwaukee's looked like that for a while. And the Lakers thing, I can't say I'm shocked, even though we bet on them tonight, right? We've been
1: sort of postulating, wondering aloud, musing, you know, what kind of impact is, is the bubble going to have Do these teams that are sort of, you know, uh, uh, had to put the brakes on back in March. Are they able to, to – they, do they have a switch to flip? And for both Milwaukee and L.A., I think we anticipated seeing the switch today and there wasn't no switch there was no switch to
0: flip it's tough when uh when you don't have the three point shooting cuz i think there's so many teams that can just make 18 to 23s in a game and get in. we saw it over and over again in the bubble these teams that would have like 125 130 points and even a team like the nets could have these streaks where they could have like a 65, 70 point half. And with the Lakers, it really has to be more, you know, bully ball, plus them kind of crossing their fingers that some of these flimsy role players can come through At LeBron statistically. What did he finish with? Like a 23, 17 and 16. What are inc- them losing when he has a game like that?
1: Yeah. An incredible triple double.
0: Well, I wonder, so. Russell and I talked about this a week and a half ago. LeBron was alluding to issues with the bubble, and I was wondering like, what's he talking about? Um, is is he not happy in the bubble? Um, is he worried about some things he's seen with the Lakers? Like, what's going on? But um, I'll be interested to see how he handles the next forty eight hours. Cause I, I do sometimes on, he'll yeah. go on Twitter and do like the weird tweet where you don't know who he's tweeting at and shit like that, and maybe he'll do that tomorrow.
1: I, I want to ask you this question, and I, and I think it's, it's related to w- what you're getting at here. It, it, the teams that most impressed us over the last 48 hours are the teams, and we said it a little bit ago, who know who they are, they have their identity, they play to their strengths, and the coaches definitely have a role in that, right? There's some kind yeah. of stability, institutional support, whatever, however you want to characterize it, all the jokes about playoff Bud coming out and all of the the, the, the Twitter pictures and Instagram pictures of, of confused Bud face were, were hilarious. But, like, playoff Bud just doesn't instill a whole ton of confidence. Whatever's going on with the Lakers with, you know, uh, three-and-a-half, you know, head coaches where, you know, Vogel's the head coach in name, but is he really the head coach? Anthony Davis catching the ball again and again and again outside the three point line confused the hell out of me. Well, they were confused. Though. What would you,
0: what would you do offensively if you were them that you feel like they're not doing
1: high, low, high, low, high, low, get Anthony Davis, the ball down near the basket. Let him come out on the, on the corners. Uh, he can escape um, from down low to create room for LeBron but, but get Anthony Davis the ball. Let him cook. Who's going to stop him? Let him go up against Hassan Whiteside and foul that, that bum out in the first, you know, half of the game.
0: Well, Whiteside's audition for a Lakers contract is going <laughs> fantastic. It's, I would say, what, 58% chance he's on the Lakers next year? Dwight Dwight had his typical garbage Dwight game. I mean, he continues to be one of my least favorite players in a long time. Uh, What did he have tonight? He had 15 minutes, five fouls. <laughs> uh, What's the plus points, minus? Four points, five rebounds, plus seven, plus minus. Okay. Five fouls, and it seemed like there was a couple of times when it, it seemed like he was about to get in a fight with Whiteside, which I think would have been trouble for the internet trying to figure out who to root for in that fight. Well, it
1: would have been, but that—that's you know it. it it could have been effective, right? Like, because Whiteside had five blocks. Like he yeah. was he was um, down there shutting down the paint on drives coming from the top. Um, in in this in a in a curiously similar way that Marcus Morris really affected the outcome of that Clippers Dallas game by getting under uh, the you know uh, the, Luca's skin and he got under Zinger's skin.
0: Do you think? LeBron has texted Avery Bradley. At.
1: <laughs> see, this is what I'm. This is what I'm. What, what I'm saying to you now, right? This institutional, the stability, just like the chemistry. It, we, we've been able to see it. It's it's acute under these circumstances. Toronto looked awesome. Uh, you know, uh, earlier, right? Miami stuck to their identity. The Clippers, they they handled their business. That game should have been something different because they well, should not have been kicked out, but
0: go back to Toronto though. Cause this was, there were a couple teams in the 99 lockout that stayed in shape and practiced with each other and had a huge advantage heading hitting the season. I remember San Antonio was one of them and they ended up winning the title. And it does seem like the Toronto team, you can kind of see who's all on the same page. Conversely Philly, who I want to talk about after the break, Philly looks like nobody, they haven't even had a practice yet to teach somebody how to throw an entry pass to Embiid. And, uh, just, I, I, I was shocked by the announcers during the Sixers game last night. And then even our, our buddy Jalen on the halftime show and people like Embiid, you got to let him cook. It's like they were giving the ball. He kept losing it. How many turnovers can the guy have? He had, he, I think he was credited for five or six, but it felt like he had like eight or nine and the Celtics were just, when you'd have the ball they would send a second guy diving kind of at his legs to try to tip the ball, touch the ball, whatever, force him to make a dumb pass, which he did a few times. And I don't know. He just looked, he didn't look like he was totally in shape. He decided not to guard Tice at all on threes. I don't know if that was strategy or he was just trying to uh, conserve energy, but to hear him being praised for that game, Brett Brown finally said after the game, like, Somebody was like, do you need to get Joel the ball more? He's like, we did. He kept losing it. Like he, he was like, yeah, he kept turning the ball over. That's a problem for us. And so that was one thing. And then the other thing is they just don't know how to set him up because once they lost Simmons, Simmons was the only guy that team had who could create a shot from somebody else. Who's creating a shot for somebody else in that team. Name me a guy. No, that's it. That's, that's the
1: problem. It's a design problem. They, they, they spent their money on Tobias Harris and Al Horford And just said, we're going to roll the dice with Ben Simmons. We think he can be somebody different. We're going to try him, you know, to see if his growth, his development with our franchise is going to produce a different kind of skill than something that he's shown before, which is table setter. He's at his best running downhill. He's great at pace. He's great at finishing on the fast break. That is not compatible with Joel Embiid. We've only been talking about it for two full fucking seasons now. We keep yeah. watching it. I mean, everybody's the poor Sixers fans are are, are ready to, to, you know, throw uh, Brett Brown, uh, put him inside the Ben Franklin bell and ring it till till whatever.
0: Um, well, hold on. I, let's take a break because I want to talk about that series. Hey, hiring is challenging, especially with everything else you have to consider today, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where businesses can connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes the entire hiring process efficient and effective, with features like screening questions, filter candidates and an all in one dashboard where you can review and rate your candidates again. So effective four to five employers, a post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day, right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. That's for our listeners, ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right. We're talking Sixers Celtics and we'll get to Hayward's injury in a second. The Sixers that was lined up for them in game one, they, every time it seemed like the Celtics were going to blow the game open, the Sixers would make some crazy three with a hand in somebody's face. And they just kind of kept hanging around, hanging around. They turned the ball over a shitload of times. Didn't matter. Tatum and Brown were the only guys playing well in the Celtics. Then Hayward gets hurt. And there was a moment in that game where it's like, oh my God, Philly's going to steal this and they just couldn't get it done. And. I, you and I thought Brett Brown should have been gone last year, but, um, it just does not seem like a team that I would say is running on all cylinders. And,
1: well, I mean, it's not really fair. Right. And we talked about it when Simmons got hurt earlier in this bubble, uh,
0: scenario. Well, you know, what's fair. Start five and make sure he's on the court every minute with Tatum. I hate giving away that secret, but guess what? You have to stop Jason Tatum, especially now that Hayward's out. Thiebel has to play every minute Tatum's out there. If you're not doing that, then you deserve to get fired. If you're playing Horford and Embiid together at the start of the game, you're doing the Celtics a favor because Tatum or Brown, whoever Horford has to guard in that scenario, they have a huge advantage offensively. He's not going to be able to guard them. You put Thiebel out there, at least Tatum has to work for his points, you know? And that's, I couldn't believe he didn't realize that. And then finally he ended in crunch time. He ended it with Fible, but I I would assume like their best lineup would be Horford on the bench, unfortunately for Horford. And you switch him and Fible, you play Richardson, you play shake Milton and you play, uh, you play Harris. And that's who you, if you're going to beat the Celtics, that's gotta be the lineup.
1: The biggest advantage that the Sixers have with the lineup that they have is Embiid and he didn't touch the ball in in the post you know within inside the the free throw line in the last 7 minutes i think they they said he touched it once or maybe zero times i don't know what the stat was but it was because
0: you know why because it was too hard the Celtics were making him work to get the ball and he didn't want to put in the work he just didn't it's a fact all right i watched the game you watched it Did did that seem like a guy whose life depended on it in the second half where it's like, I I, gotta get the ball? No,
1: it's a, it's a scheme thing though. Right. You, we, we said it, you know, two minutes ago, who's the guy that's setting the table that can get him the ball in the best position for him to be successful. Now it, your point is absolutely well taken. When are we going to see him from the basket? He needs to get down there and start putting people in the torture chamber. And we keep begging for him to do it. It's game winning time. You can go steal a game one in these circumstances, even with your depleted lineup. You had the opportunity sitting there in the fourth quarter. And, you know, you, you just basically out-schemed yourself by having right. him out all the way out, out where he
0: was. There was one possession where the Celtics just put smart on him to fuck with him.
1: I mean, that's fine. I like that matchup. Smart. They were like... Beat.
0: Yeah, go post them up. All right, so Hayward's out. Hayward did not play well in that game, for the record. And my my friend Hench and I, a lot of texts complaining about Hayward yesterday. I mean, he had six terrible plays, just terrible. And it was like, oh man, right? The bubble Hayward was like, oh maybe, oh here maybe, and then it's like, oh yeah, okay, here's the. It's like Doctor Jacobus tried, then he hurts his ankle, and there's this minute of panic where it's like, oh fuck, it was that same ankle and. I'm frantically Googling to see what ankle he broke in 2000. It's like, oh, thank God it was the left ankle. But uh, it didn't seem great. Now he's out for four weeks. The Celtics team was a seven-man team. The starters plus uh, Marcus Smart and off the bench. Wanamaker is the eighth man who is, you know, the more he plays, the more nervous you just are. I'm sure you've had guys like that in the Wizards' bullets over the years. And then this weird Robert Williams, Grant Williams... Depending on the game, the matchup, you throw them out there, ho- keep your fingers crossed, nothing terrible happens. Well, now Hayward's out and you lose 32 minutes with Hayward. Smart's going to get some of them. Unfortunately, Wanamaker's going to get some of them. And then they kind of have to cross their fingers, I think, with semi Ojale or Jermichael Green. Because if you get in a situation where Jalen or Tatum get in foul trouble, they don't have another swing now other than smart to defend like a Tobias Harris type. So they have this guy, Jermichael green. Do you, you, you know, those guys, when you watch your team every, every week and you get attached to these dudes and you wish yes. they played more. So yes. this year's guy was Jermichael green. He's super athletic swing guy. He can shoot threes. He really gives a shit. He tries. And he just never really totally got a chance. And when Hey, the Hayward news today, I was texting a couple of Celtic friends. I was like, I think it's time. Can we see it? Can we see a little Jamichael? (laughs) But it also tells you where I'm at with my favorite team, where I'm sending texts wondering if Jamichael Green is going to get run. This is not where I wanted to be in the playoffs house. Well, we talked, I don't
1: know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, and you were pretty honest with yourself about what the prospects for the Celtics team Look like
0: and, well, that because mostly because of Kemba, who did not look great yesterday. Do you yeah, think he looked and, good yesterday?
1: I mean, he's he, he's not full Kemba, you need he's not you
0: need full Kemba,
1: but he, here's the thing you ain't you ain't beating Toronto, so this is right, isn't that where, where, where you would that the matchup that would come next? I under- thought
0: we I thought we had a real chance to beat them if we if the team was healthy because okay, because we've just like, and th- there's a bubble game and granted that were are at high stakes for Toronto, but it, we just match up pretty well with them. Okay. Um, it's, and they're always when, when, uh, when we play them, the games are always like really good games and really intense and good back and forth, two great coaches, all that stuff. But now Hayward's out four weeks. And then, you know, the other piece of it is just, I, I've that, ne- I don't ever remember Boston having an athlete like Hayward. That was more snake bit where it's like, you know, it, the fucking guy got hurt in the first half of his first game after he had signed a $120 million contract. He has one of the most gruesome injuries, not his fault, in the history of the league. And since then, it's just been like one setback after another. He was, you and I were together for my, my birthday, watching the game when he got hurt. And I was, had yeah. just finished telling you how awesome he was playing, and then he got hurt. Yeah. And it's just like one thing after another. I, I feel like we need to have an exorcism with him or something.
1: You might literally have to exercise him. You might have to, to you know, well, trade him. You get, might need well, to change the scenery.
0: What? He's going to be on the team next year because he'll be opting into his. Uh,
1: oh his yeah, contract, it's thirty million bucks, isn't it?
0: The scenario for the Celts is if Tatum just does what he did yesterday for seven weeks,
1: you with, J- with Jalen as
0: a sidekick, and then in the- Kemba doing more than what he did.
1: In those seven weeks, he need you need to get a hyperbaric chamber for Kemba and just let him go in there every night and sleep and you know get extra oxygen. Maybe he needs to you need to seek the doctor in from Germany for some yeah. platelet Rich plasma. Where's Kobe's doctor? Let's
0: get let's get him in. Where's that dude from Germany?
1: Yeah, we need some, some PRP. Uh, doctor, all of it,
0: Doctor Gunther P P T P. What was it? P C P. No, not P C <laughs> P. Patelet- <laughs> platelet rich plasma. Yeah. Dr. Gunther Platelet, come to America and fix Kemba's knee. Because the other thing, it wasn't just offense. You know, he had a couple moments, but he was pretty up and down offensively. But defensively, he was not good. And it's not going to hurt them in this Philly series. But when they get to the next round, when they have to guard Van Vliet and Lowry, he's just not going to be able to do it. And that's right. Marcus, for as great as he is as a defender, he's really kind of better off defending bigger guys. Like it's the little water bug guys are never great for him. He's always had issues, you know, to some degree with those guys. He's not like lights out. I'm sh- I'm taking these guys out the way like a Pat Beverly would. He's always been better with taller guys. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a bummer. Cause I do think, I think that Sixers series could have ended early. Now I'm not so sure. I don't want to give Embiid any life because if he ever figures this out for a second, God only knows how this series plays out. Thank God nobody can throw him an entry pass. I'm so glad they don't have TJ McConnell. Can you imagine? Even he would be such a help to them. Just for it's 20 minutes a game, he would just be able to get him beat the ball.
1: Exactly the table setter that they need. Yeah. That they could use. That they could have used all season long. Sixers Whoa. fans are furious, by the way, that they let him go.
0: Didn't they have Trey Burke? Not that he's a table setter, but did they have him earlier this year? I don't I know. You're, did.
1: Not, you're not going to get me to be able to say anything nice about him. He was in Washington. I thought he he didn't belong in the league.
0: Oh, he was half decent on Dallas. Uh, quickly, the, uh, the weirdo series, Utah versus Denver. Cause that game is going to be happening probably by the time people hear this, but you have on the one end, Denver, exactly what we thought with Porter jr. Once it got to the playoffs, they couldn't hide him defensively. Utah was just seeking about destroying him. But then you had this random Jamal Murray, another Jekyll Hyde guy. He's awesome. Game two, he could have eight points. Utah's not getting fifty-seven for Mitchell again. It just feels like a series that's going to go seven, right? Can we?
1: I'm looking. I'm gonna see if I can get those right now. Can we get that series bet up? We, let, let, can we bet on Denver in seven? Is it too late? Series exact results. Can we bet those? No, they're not up. Those those odds are are not up at the at this time of night. Series um, exact
0: results. Well, we have. So, Utah is plus four eighty five to win the series. I gotta say that's that's too high. I think they could still come back pretty easily. I liked some of the matchups for them in this series, and you know the Porter Junior thing. I he'll have one or two good games in this series, but ultimately, I, I just think defensively it's too risky to play him for long periods of time. So, well, the the two I still man feel like game, that goes seven.
1: Yeah, Denver's two man game of jokic and uh murray is still pretty
0: darn good yeah but you're saying that because we just came off a good murray game you're gonna be texting me in game two when he's two for nine and you're like what the fuck happened to jamal Murray in this game I, that's what it is. that's who yeah, he is
1: i just mean the 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 symbiosis of those two true it they, is they're great. very they're very complimentary that's all and the, it's it's a shame i i mean you, utah um now, Conley apparently is going to be able to be back by mid-series. So that's yeah. another reason why picking it, you know, making, thinking it's going to go seven has some some good legit legs.
0: I was really glad I was at the hospital when my kids were born, just for the record.
1: I understand. Weren't you? Well, that's not a well, – is anybody criticizing him for that? No,
0: no, no. I just – I always try to put myself in position of the athlete. And if it was like round three – like let's say it's like the series is two to two and it's like your wife's having a baby and it's like at some point the stakes have to be at a point where you would seriously consider it and i don't i don't think there's any scenario unless it was the finals for me if it was the no, finals they're,
1: they're, not not even the finals fuck that are you kidding me the birth of your child what if versus it was the, your your profession who gives a shit what if, if it was be the second one kid
0: Whatever second kid, <laughs> hey,
1: uh, you know where where the line is. The ninth, the ninth kid. That's where I would say. I would say, okay, I've had eight. I was there for the first eight. The ninth is where I draw the line. I'm going to go to the finals this year.
0: Third kid.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I want to be there for all of the kids.
0: Well, that's how I felt, but I, I didn't know if I was a professional athlete and I had limited chances to win a title. What the what the stakes would have to be for me to seriously consider plus you're also dealing with from from the wife a a a a A, lifetime of a lifetime (laughs) this is what i mean you're age 80 and they're bringing up of course because you weren't in the fucking hospital room for our second kid yeah that's what i mean
1: the eighth ninth kid at that point maybe it gets you know but if, when you have like the, just the first couple handful, come on. You got to be, and it's only a few
0: days. It's not like you missed the whole series. Let's bring in Phil Rivers, Phil kid. Number eight. Did you have to be there? <laughs> uh. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. Cause I do think there's probably been guys over the years who probably said, fuck it. And just stayed with the team. Right.
1: I, I mean, I'm sure we could find guys like that. There are, I'm sure there's I, stuff.
0: They wouldn't write stories about it, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, Mike Conley, hurry back. Cause I think that series is going to be good. The Mavs are plus eight fifty. The nets are plus 3,500. The 76ers. I don't really understand this are six to one, which seems high. I mean, uh, which seems high because I actually think that series. I'm not sold on the Celtics, like being in the runaway driver's seat. Now that Hayward's gone. Right?
2: Hmm.
1: Six to one.
0: The Sixers are six to one underdogs.
1: I don't, I I mean, I need them to be double digit underdogs before it catches my gambling interest.
0: Well, all right. So we don't have a Blazers line yet. Maybe we do, though. Hold on. Let me refresh. No, we still don't.
1: I don't care. What happens? I'm betting on the Blazers. I don't, I don't care what the very first moment a line comes up for them in this series. I'm betting them. I don't give a shit. This is the overreaction podcast. We owe it to the Blazers out of loyalty for what they did for us through the first eight games of the, of the bubble. The commitment that they showed. How serious they took this whole thing. They grabbed the opportunity. We owe the soccer moms in Portland, Bill Simmons.
0: We love them. Um, I have a Milwaukee point I forgot to mention. I think they're playing too many guys. Oh. I actually think they overdid it at the trade deadline, and they added Marvin Williams, who's the other guy they added? They added two guys at the deadline. Oh, Kyle Corver, right, a little before the deadline. But looking at the box score tonight, and it, I felt this way watching the game too. They played ten guys. I just in the playoffs, I'm good with eight, nine max. I don't need ten. I like ten makes sense to me in the regular season. But when I'm in the like the Blazers played eight guys tonight. They're like, here are our best eight. We're gonna win with these guys, and two days later we're gonna play our eight guys again. They played uh they played ten and Lopez only played two minutes, but you know, Wes Matthews, Conaton defense, Di Diva um, Marvin Williams. Like, wouldn't you just kind of just figure out who your best three out of those guys were? I don't get it. This, but this is like a weird coach bud thing.
1: May look, to be fair, it could be the case that their approach to this series was still to do some experiment because experiments are playing
0: Orlando. Yeah. I guess. Yes. It. And
1: because they really were so lackluster, so flaccid, in the entire bubble experience. And I don't know if it's it's well, I don't I'm not even gonna make the joke I wanted to make there. Well,
0: you know what? You know what <laughs> the flaccid joke? Yeah. But did it remind you of that weird Atlanta Indiana series that you're in Piero Antich, Impero Antich, whatever his name was, and Atlanta was yeah, 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 yeah. playing center 25 feet from the hoop, pulling Hibbert out and completely fucking up that Indiana defense. Remember and, and went seven games? Because Orlando was like, hey Vooch pull out, pull their centers out and shoot some threes. He shot eight threes. I mean, he made some too. He made five, but, um, Gary Clark four for 12, four for 12 from three. He took no two point shots. <laughs> they took, they took 41 threes at all. And it's like, I think they were just like, we're just bombing threes.
1: It's a great game. We're plan. pulling
0: their centers out and yeah. we're, we're basically going to fuck with the bucks. We're not going to let you do what you normally like to do. And it worked.
1: And, and and also they used the the uh, Toronto playbook from last year's playoffs in the fourth quarter. Just pack the paint and yeah. dare uh, the freak to to try dry, try and drive in and create shots. You know he, he started settling for those jumpers again. Those those low percentage, you know, inside mm. the three point line. Low efficiency, you know, sort of medium length to long length twos because he didn't have any room to go you know drive I- into the lane toronto did that to great success last year and you know the league pays attention when when a team is able to shut down a, a, an mvp
0: what are you looking forward to most for the game 2s wow what's that on your a- agenda i'm going to read this you some is, lines just to whet your appetite this is great toronto nets we don't care utah is getting four and a half points against Denver. The Sixers are only getting four and a half points against the Celtics, which again, you're a six to one underdog, but you're getting four and a half points in game two. And then Dallas is getting six and a half points. The under for over under for that game is two thirty and a half. and I can't wait until you lose money on it one way or the other.
1: God, I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm just screwed. not going to talk. I, I can't talk about it. They they combined for 34 points in the third quarter. The third quarter was among the worst quarters of basketball I've, I've watched in 2020, the third quarter between the Clippers and Dallas. Now uh, the zinger getting kicked out contributed to that, but it was awful. They were taking terrible, both teams were taking terrible shots. They, neither team looked like they gave a shit. 20, it was a tw- 21 to 13 quarter that the Clippers won.
0: I'm trying to, I like you tomorrow. I think. I just think that series goes seven. I don't think Denver has anyone on the team to guard Mitchell. I don't think he's going to score 57 a game, but I think he can get wherever he wants.
1: I'm going to join you on that one. Let's 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 come up with a parlay. I like that one. That's a good start. I'm, I'm going to join you on Utah.
0: I'd probably do them with, uh, with Houston in game two.
1: Well, he. I mean, that the Houston that we saw tonight is unstoppable, right? Like that, that version of them, where all of their guys are super comfortable. They're all getting to their spots. Eric Gordon was a force. I mean, it, it was the very best version of Eric Gordon. It's the Eric Gordon that Houston needs to make the, the deep run. He will certainly, if he's this effective, tie them over until Westbrook is back, if Westbrook's able to come back. That, this version of, of Houston is, is unstoppable, but they're not going to shoot this well through the entirety of the playoffs. And so the question is, you know, when they run into some adversity. But I don't what can Oklahoma City do? Because they they got pretty good games out of Steven Adams and and Gallo. I mean they 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 both are their big guys had pretty good games, but they they went with a three guard lineup Oklahoma City did. And I don't think it worked at all.
0: Well, they're missing Dort. Do you ever think we'd say that? <laughs> they need Dort I mean, to come back. So, That's our harden guy.
1: I mean, I've I've said it a couple of times, different we, circumstances,
0: but we need some Dort. Apparently. Um, last but not least, we we're gonna give our thoughts about uh the college kids going back to campus, including uh some kids at our old school, holy cross already got in trouble. But we decided, we talked to our lawyers, and we decided um there's no possible way we could talk about this without coming off like uh complete assholes and shitheads and dumbasses. So we're just going to avoid it completely.
1: I think that's, I think that's the right decision. I mean, we tried it three different ways and we sounded worse each time. So let's just, you know, wish everybody the best.
0: Try and stay safe, everybody. I will say that we were on an email with a third person. And I said that if this was 1989 house and I would have tried to get COVID out of the way the first couple weeks at school. So we could have been playing pickup basketball by October and house agreed.
1: I, I mean, we, it's, it's possible. I can't just flatly rule it out.
0: It's possible. We would, have, we would have thought because we were idiots who made terrible decisions. We're going to get this anyway. Let's just get it out of the way.
1: That, that is how dumb we were. I'd like to say, really stupid. I, I'd like really to say dumb. that I've, I've grown. And now I understand the, the public health implications, but you know, living inside that kind of insular environment, right? And you don't expect that you're going to come into contact necessarily with any sort of vulnerable class, right? You don't think that you're going to, if you're not attending classes with folks that are older than you, you're not going to see your family. So you're not going to endanger your parents. Like the risk reward analysis just gets a little too complicated for, for a, a teenage, you know, an 18 year old, a 19 year old, a 20 year old, at least from our era. I'll just talk about us. I'm not talking now. the kids of today. It's gotta I'm be for today. Too. And, yeah.
0: and here's why we bring this up. College kids. We were there once. We were as dumb as you are now. Make good choices. Just put, get, put that extra, extra two minutes of thought into your choices. Cause we certainly didn't back in the day. <laughs> we did and not. We would have made terrible choices right now in college. Um, in terms of safety, behavior, all that stuff. So we're just we're giving you the be careful out there. Yeah,
1: that's all. Do do the best you can. This will be in our rearview mirror at some point, probably, hopefully, God willing, in then sometime in the next six months, it'll be in our rearview mirror, and we can all go back and have great parties on Caro Street and incredible parties at the White House and all yeah. the rest of
0: it. I mean, I know it's tough for the Holy cross kids to not have, you know, the awesome football team and the three and 26 basketball team potentially not playing <laughs> and, you know, the team take the central fabric. Like, take it, take I just want shots. us to be good at sports again. Well, it, the good news is there is no sports for Holy cross to be bad at. I guess that's bad news and good news. There um, you go. Anyway, house enjoy, hey, uh, enjoy the rest of the, uh, round one bubbles. Good to see you. Thanks for staying up late for us.
1: I, I can't wait. I'm always here for you, buddy. All right. See ya. All
0: right. We're going to bring in triple H in one second. First, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You can get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed, but let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. What a shame. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet too. You can get arrested incur huge legal expenses. You can even possibly lose your job. All right. So how do you prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking, designate a sober driver or call a taxi. And if someone, you know, has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. There's no excuse for driving drunk. None. We all know the consequences of driving drunk. One thing's for sure. You're wrong. If you think it's no big deal, drive sober or get pulled over. And before we get to uh triple H, wanted to mention the rewatchables Caddyshack went up Monday. That was a really fun one to do 40 year anniversary. And then we have, uh, another movie coming on uh, on Wednesday night that I'm not going to give away, but you can't stream it anywhere. So it doesn't matter. It was the first one we've ever done that we could not find on any streamer at all. Stay tuned for that one. I will say it is a classic. All right. Without further ado, here is Triple H. All right. It's not the first time he's been on the podcast. We did one Way back when, I think, of my office at Grantland, back when you were a yeah. kid, you were just breaking into the business. You'd only been in 18, 19 years at that point. Yeah, I uh, Yeah,
2: I didn't have a full 25 yet, but
0: Yeah. yeah. Triple H. Good to see you again. SummerSlam's good to coming. See you. SummerSlam's coming Sunday. You guys have been in the throes of you're really the first ones to try to figure out how to have events without fans. What have you learned over the last five months?
2: Yeah, I think we were the first. I mean, it's a, a funny thing as the, um, I remember being in the Performance Center for an episode of NXT. We were, um, b- because of a scheduling conflict out of out of the uh, arena at Full Sail, and we were doing an episode of NXT out of uh, the Performance Center, we were all set up to shoot in there. And uh, we were going in on a, on a, I was going in on a Tuesday. And as I called Vince to say, late that night to say, seemingly with all this pandemic talk going on, maybe we should leave all this stuff up in here just in case. Right. And he was like, yeah, it's maybe it might be smart. I don't know. Look, you know, look into it and see what the cost would be and all that stuff to leave everything up in there and get back to me. So next day, by the time afternoon time came, it, he was calling me saying, I don't care what it costs, leave all the stuff up in there. Right. We might be headed that way by the end of the night. You know, we did our show in there live that Wednesday, uh, with fans uh by the time we were done the nba had shut down we knew the trucks weren't headed to uh, i think they were going to detroit at that time they were turning around and coming to to florida and we could do stuff on a closed set we were going to have no fans it looked like and you know that was really the start of it we never shut down we stayed running the whole time taking as much precaution as we could you know um following guidelines and everything obviously the health and welfare of our talent comes first but um yeah we we never never really shut down there was a few shows in there that were partially pre-recorded content and all that but um and now here we are uh you know as you saw today um they'll be putting up uh an insane um spectacle of a set that we are calling the Thunderdome um Inside the Mway Center in Orlando, and we'll be taking a residency up in there for the foreseeable future. It'll start Friday night with SmackDown, and and uh, continue from there. But it'll be a spectacle, and and we're going to have virtual fans, or not not even virtual fans, um, fans live, but on screen, yeah, uh, real time coming in. Um, you know, I know I know the NBA is doing something similar. We're, we'll have a lot more um, than that. It'll be a full, you know, a, a a large arena, so we'll have a lot more to fill in and it um, should be spectacular. I've seen it in renderings, uh, but this company, whenever I see something in rend- renderings that I think looks spectacular, when you see it in person, you're blown away. So I can't imagine this is going to be any different when it's done.
0: Yeah, when I was watching the NBA bubble basketball and seeing some of the stuff they did, you know, they had some tricks. They, they, they had had some time to really assess what might work, adding some virtual fans, adding some noise, stuff like that. And I remember thinking the first couple of days, I was like, "I wonder if the WWE is working on the completely blown out version of this." And then I had <laughs> yeah. the Thunderdome thing. I was like, "Oh yeah, there here's the here's the blown out version of this."
2: Yeah, you know, you what you don't want to do, I think, in a way is no, nobody really knew where this was going to go. So you start to work on things. Um, you you do some shows with nobody in there, but nobody really understands how long this is going to last or how long it'll be till we can do anything. Then we were working on closed sets with our. Um, quite a few of our developmental talent from the performance center who aren't on NXT yet in crowds and, and um, they could be a part of it all tested and kept separate from everybody else. And, but the whole time we were working on a solution like this, if it lasted longer, what could we do? How could we make it bigger? Um, you know, WWE is we're, we we're, we're kind of in a way, when you think about it, the first interactive sports for fans, and I don't just mean by being a participant uh, or, or, not being a participant, but, but just sitting there being a viewer and watching it, yeah. But you know, the yay, the boo, the bring your signs, act, actively participate in the show. And, and that active participation sells and changes the outcome of things as it's moving forward. You know, maybe not the final outcome, but, but how performers interact and, and all of that, it's it, everything is designed, not just to win a game. Everything is designed to get reactions. And um, without those fans there, it, it's a different product. It really is. And since moment one, we've been trying to figure out a way to get our fans back engaged, because they are what WWE is truly at its core. Get them back engaged, get them back being a part of it in a, in a way that was safe for everybody to do. And um, we, we, we think we've got, it, uh, got a good place on it. So we'll, we'll see Friday night on SmackDown, this week on SmackDown. And then for the foreseeable future, uh we're picking up a residency here and there so that will be our home for the foreseeable future
0: look we knew the fans were important and we knew they were as big of a character as any actual character you had i don't think i fully realized how important they were until you had no fans and yeah even like the entrances and just the guys coming out and the way they they would feed off the reaction good or bad or just during a match all that stuff to just remove it was really odd, really surreal to watch. I had trouble with it because it was almost like watching somebody dance, but not. But they didn't have a partner anymore, and they're kind of yeah. doing all the dance moves, but there's no partner to play off of. And I don't know how how you guys did it. It's a stand-up
2: comic with no one in the with no one yeah. in the building, right? He's hitting his hitting his jokes, making himself pop, he's looking laughing. around, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anybody is this on? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It it it, uh, it was surreal, and I tell you. You know, for me, um, my hats off to our performers, anybody that's doing this because it's not—it's not an easy task to go out there and, and do what we do, um, especially if you've been doing it a lot of years. One, either a lot of years from the standpoint of all right, I can go out there and, and get my way through this, but the physicality hurts a lot more when there's nobody there making noise and you don't have that adrenaline. Right. Um, on the flip side of that, if you've only been doing this for a few years and everything we tell you is about fan reaction, working towards fan reaction and listening and hearing that crowd to, to affect your psychology and where things are going. If you're going down a path and it's not working, fans will let you know, go down this path instead, right? That's everything we teach them. And then all of a sudden that all goes away and they're like, go out there and do it. Go have a good time. You know And, then, <laughs> and they're still
0: in the habit of, of doing it, but there's no fans there. And and Yeah, you know, I think for you guys, the decision makers trying to decide who should get a push. Who's doing great? You know, you're you're relying so much on fan reactions, and if the crowd's dead or somebody that you love, it's like, oh, maybe this isn't working. Now you have no idea if something's working except for the internet.
2: One hundred percent, and and so you you base almost all the reactions that or that we have as a company are based on how crowd is reacting. I know sometimes that might be hard for people to get, but it's it's based on a lot of factors, right? Crowd reaction, ticket sales. Um, merchandise
0: sales, all all
2: those things factor into how, how you're um, using utilizing talent and and the directions that you're headed in with them, right? Um, Short-term and long-term. And all of that all of a sudden goes away because now you have merch sales, but it's different. It's based on online sales, not in arena or whatever. You don't have ticket sales anymore. You don't have crowd reaction or noise. And And you mentioned it yourself, social media, But social media is very tricky because it can be skewed heavily. Oh, my God. Yeah, depending on the platform, you know, um, negative algorithms on some platforms are much stronger than others. So things that resonate, you know, something bad happens, it it trends immediately. Something good happens, it doesn't even get out there because it's the the way the algorithms work.
0: Um, Excuse to negativity, which doesn't help you. You're only hearing if somebody sucks or if somebody's not doing well. But nobody's going on Twitter going, Man, I really like that match. I really appreciate the effort of those two guys. It's not happening. I, I yeah, I have said this since the beginning, like in,
2: in some manner, the the um the internet makes our jobs more difficult, especially with talent, because as as a talent, you can go online and selectively pick who you want to listen to and don't want to listen to. So there are certain places and people and, and you know, look in this business, everybody wants to talk about um reactions or or uh it, it's all opinion right that's all it is five-star rating opinion that's all it is it's just an opinion there's nobody like if you if you're in the ufc someone can go this guy sucks but he knocks everybody out now he don't suck too bad you know I, it, it it is what it is um and, and there's a definitive answer this is a subjective business where there's opinions um, and they all matter, but you can selectively find your opinion. So if you're a talent, you just selectively go through the internet, and everybody's saying how great you are, and
0: you're the greatest thing in the world. I don't understand why I'm not the guy or the girl. By the way, I don't think this isn't also a problem in the media business. But think sure, about, uh, yeah, think about. No, it is it, like if you're going to selectively look for reactions on the internet, you're you're in trouble. But think about like the rise of DX, right, in the mid '90s. If yeah. you had no fans. How would you have known you're doing well? Other than we wouldn't have, we would you have got fired. We would have got
2: fired, is what we would have got. Yeah, we would have got fired because what was saving us is the reaction of the fans when we would come back and get told you do that again and you're out of here, you know. But the crowd was going crazy, so when we did it again and they went double crazy, uh, it was hard to come back and have them go, you know, like they they kind of got to go with it. You're getting the reaction that that you're looking to
0: get. Well, in Um, some cases, like, uh, like Bray Wyatt, who I would say is probably your hottest guy right now. Um, the no fans in a weird way is is helpful in some ways for him because the stuff but, he's doing is so out there. He kind of yeah. s- doesn't need fans for some of it. Yeah, look, it can,
2: <laughs> I, I thought th- there's been a lot of things that have been done that have been groundbreaking to me a little bit in some manner um, out of necessity for, for WWE anyways. Not that they've never been done before whatever, but like the the bray wyatt uh firefly funhouse at wrestlemania was like some crazy mind trip right can you imagine that crazy mind trip playing on a tron inside of a a sold out eighty thousand seat stadium with nothing happening in the arena just the stadium like you would have got tragically booed out of the building they wouldn't have been the ability to even try something like that um it, it's allowed us to get, go into different places, some successful, some not judge what you can out of that. Um, but you also see some performers to meet the the performers that can really connect emotionally with themselves, um, to deliver things and understand that the, the how and the why those are the characters that have really excelled and don't necessarily need that fan reaction at Randy Orton. He doesn't need that fan reaction. Randy can get inside his own head and deliver something that you just give you chills. Right. Um, Drew McIntyre, people like that, that can connect on a different level. Um, But I think we've seen a lot of performers do that and, and connect at different levels than they maybe would have, if they would have had, you know, solely been looking for that uh, 10,000 people arena
0: reaction, you know, you've, I mean, this has been probably the craziest two year stretch in WWE history, right? Because you had, yeah. you know, you, have, you had a real something. a real competitor for the first time in 20 years, AEW. You yeah. had behind the scenes stuff, like your your CFO left and a whole bunch of things going there. You had two huge deals that you did. Um, you blew out SmackDown on Fox. You had a whole bunch of TV money coming in. You're also in this whole streaming universe now where you guys were so ahead of the game with the WWE Network. And now you you look at all this streamer you've a lot of competition on that end, but you could also end up potentially teaming up with one of those people. You just hired sure. Nick Nick Khan from CAA, he used to run CAA Sports, which is incredible. Vince's right hand guy, and there's just all these balls moving all over the place. What what's what do you think is the most important thing for you guys these next five years?
2: Oh, um, well, there's a lot of things. Obviously, we have to continue to put out um the best product possible, right? So again, in, in this moment of when you look at arenas that are empty and talk about how important the crowd is, it's the most important thing we have. You know, making sure that there's a, a wealth of talent coming in the door and that we have um are delivering something that our fans are are enjoying. And that's an ebb and a flow, but we have to stay on top of that for sure. Um after that, I think it's it's just the the growth potential, and, and we've talked offline, I think you see this to me, the growth potential of what this company can be and become. Um, as a content guess,
0: company as much as a yeah. wrestling company,
2: right? Yeah, as a media company and as as everything else. When you look at the rest of the world to expand into those markets that because of geography, Um, in the past, you've only been able to go in there for a one-off or something and come back to do television, um, not be able to dedicate time and effort to the market. So localizing in those places becomes very big. You know, sometimes, especially in the US, you tend to think about just the US. But when you start to look outside of the US, you look at India as just the potential alone of the amount of people, 1.5 billion people there. And we're the second biggest um sport in india uh, outside of cricket which is cricket is like a religion yeah you know so um the the opportunities us for us there while we're we're firmly planted there and and everything else uh, we have a, a long long you know 25 plus year track record in that market um but we can Get in there much deeper and create opportunities in a way that we never have been able to before because of technology and
0: everything else. I like that you have a competitor because I think competition is good and it's like good. they beat fresh they, and strong. They beat you in uh, the eighteen to thirty-four. They beat I think Raw. Um, I think last week, but this is what happened in the mid-nineties, right? Where the WWE was at a little bit of a crossroads. WCW got momentum for a year. And it led to the most creative three-year stretch in the history of the company, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the thing when you look back over this, and I'm not going to belittle anybody's anything. That's not the intent. But when you look back at the track record of a company that can shift, pivot, and move, it might take time. It doesn't happen on a Thursday. You know what I'm saying? It, It just, it takes time, effort, and there's a lot of pieces to move. But a company that historically over and over again has recreated itself, reinvented itself, Stayed relevant to the next wave as it was coming in, um, and 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 shifting with that, and being able to ebb and flow. It it is the strength of this company. It's um, people will talk about hard work, and anybody that can outwork Vince McMahon, God bless him. Um, I've never <laughs> seen anybody. He's worn out more people than than I can count. Trust me. Um, you know that that's it's what we do, and I would put my money on this. Uh, you know, that people ask me a lot of times, did I ever contemplate leaving in, in the, uh, in the Monday night wars to go someplace else? I said, I had been there and I'd been here And once. Right. I met Vince and saw that level of passion, dedication and everything else. There was and I'm like, no way this guy is losing. No, no. I mean, no, absolutely no way. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's awe inspiring. He really is. And, um, He will pivot and shift and he will put the people around him that he needs to pivot and shift and, um, and it will work, but you talked about it before. And I think it's a funny thing. I, I remember coming to your studio that day, as you said, when I was a youngster and, uh, yeah, it started, we we were walking to the elevator and I don't know if you remember it. You said to me offline, where do you see the company in, in 15 years or 20 years, I, I believe is the number that you used. And I said, um i said you know you were asking in relationship to the wrestling business and i said bill we're disney right in 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 20 years we're disney and you were like wow that's a lofty goal i said we're a media company that is more akin to disney instead of a mouse at its core we have a wrestling ring at its core and the content and the availability to do all those things are there and i believe you see that now more clearly or at least i do more clearly that now than i could see it then even
0: The WWE always reminds me of the NBA and even like Saturday Night Live. There are a couple things that are so dependent on having the the big ticket stars. And it ebbs and flows, right? Look at the late 90s. You guys were just loaded. You just had a lot of major, major stars at the same time. And I think that's the biggest reason people remember it so fondly. I think the same thing happened at the beginning of the 2010s. When as CM Punk was on the rise and Daniel Bryan, you just, all of a sudden you just had a shitload of stars all in the same place. Yep. And you've had, you've had some stars get older, age out. You've had um, some stars either get hurt or in Becky Lynch's case, she gets pregnant. How do you build the next generation for this decade? And who is it, you, you, in your opinion? You, so you
2: continue to do what you do. Uh, you continue to put talent out there. You continue to build the stars the same way that we always have. And you keep your your pulse out there, but it, it, again, it's not. It's not. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen on a dime. Sometimes it's not the person that you think. You know, you you mentioned the late '90s and the amazing plethora of talent here. But if you would have gone back a few years prior to that, you would have and and taken a couple of the stars that were on the on the top then and moved them to the side, which happened. You would have said, "Oh my God, this company has nothing, right? Nothing." And then you flip forward, you know, when, when Stone Cold Steve Austin was brought into the company, he wasn't brought in as the guy, this is the guy that's going to save the company. Um, when I was there, you know, he, right up until the time that it happened people were going like, yeah, I don't know. Right. The rock, certainly when he came in the door, a lot of, a lot of, you know, potential and hope, but that, that first, that first run wasn't what he or anybody else thought it was going to be. And there was a lot of people that were like, well, he's done. And, you know, um, Foley, and it, you you can go on and on from that time frame and then they just become yeah um, i think if you'd have gone shortly before that when nash and hall and and all these people were leaving brett and um if you would have said who's
0: the who's the next one i don't know if you'd have picked that group of people but in a way that was good that the door opened for the next group of people because a bunch of yes. those people left and sometimes it's like playing time on a basketball team all of a sudden it's like yeah. oh, i'm starting i'm getting shots now and then I, uh, it can happen.
2: I, I used to say it all the time, and I think sometimes it was perceived as a knock. But to me, one of the best things that Hogan ever did was leave. And and I don't mean that as a knock to him. It's just there's a comfort level and a focus there.
0: By oh, the way, he's so, right here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm I'm showing um, for the people listening to the podcast. I have I have every wrestling glass from this era, just so you know. Junkyard Dog, Roddy Piper, Big John Stud. O'Kogan, and, and, Andre, and, and these are the best glasses
2: ever. And while it's still early, that's uh, Rox Terramana in there, I'm, I'm sure. Right?
0: <laughs> right? This is yeah. like real glass, though. When it breaks, it's <laughs> like a real danger. Like they, they were yeah. messing around in the mid 80s, anyway. If you throw it
2: down, it makes the glass break sound, and then you get a free Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> <in the band>. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that'd be a good gimmick, right? Um, yeah, so you know, like, look, I you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't get into a new relationship until you end the one you're in sometimes. And, sure. and that is, I, I feel like, and it's a process. Um, it is what it is, but I would put my money on this company every day.
0: Hey, wanted to give a quick shout out to our fan duel contest that we're having right now. It is called the ultimate hoops ringer. Every day there's playoff games, $5 entry fee per contest. And if you win a contest, you get a ticket to the leaderboard series during the NBA finals, where all the winners will compete for a share of 50K cash, ringer swag, and even to be deemed the sole survivor of the ultimate hoops ringer. Here's what you do: learn more. Enter at fanduel.com slash hoops ringer. You have to enter before the first game each day. Age and location restrictions do. Apply. Back to Triple H. Can I give you like two nitpicks? Sure. Why is Ross still three hours? Because, I, I, uh, other than money. Uh, is that the only reason? It's just a money decision. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think that, yeah. But,
2: <laughs> yes, I was going to make a joke that uh, Vince, Vince loves that challenge, which he does. <laughs> um, and, and it's harder on everybody else. So he's like, yes, three hours um
0: yeah it, you know if i was your conciliar and you're like bill give us a couple ideas i'd be like make raw two hours make, stack yeah, it make literally. it a filet mignon make it you give me give me your best two hours bill if you said three hours to two hours
2: was your best idea i would then i wouldn't need you as my my that, conciliary. I, I, <laughs> that's true it's a good <laughs> I point i don't think that that's a pretty obvious one yeah well what
0: but why not when can it happen
2: uh, that, boy, that's a that's above my uh okay. my decision making level. But like you know, it it is. Look, I can I can say this to you. Like, and as much as people watch it and go, "Geez, I wish it was two hours." It's three. It is exponentially harder to write a third hour of television. I mean, I can't even explain to you how difficult that is.
0: I can tell it's hard. Yeah, you get three hours, yeah. even with commercials. It's still like two hours and twenty yeah. minutes. Stuff. I don't even like three-hour movies, I'll be honest with you. So one thing that I think is fascinating about the last five years, wrestling has always reflected whatever is going on in the real world, right, with storylines and things like that. And you go back to the 70s, 80s, 90s, and people like the Iron Sheik, um, the Nikolai Volkov. It was always like whatever was kind of going on with America, you could kind of see it a little bit in wrestling, even like Bruno Sammartino. Like, yeah you know, working class guy, this is our guy, kind of represented these things. Why hasn't WWE tried to tap into just how crazy the last four or five years has been in America with any plots? Is it like too much of a stay away? Is it too scary? I think that there are moments, so in,
2: in all those other moments in time, um, the, 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 the uniqueness of the world right now is this canceled culture. Yeah, concept. I believe in that no matter what you do, if you, if you stray too far, you run the risk of alienating half of the people, right. um, that, that are out there, maybe more. Um, so I think you have to be much more calculated than you could be with something in the past. You know, you could, you could do an angle in the past, um, and try to, try to maintain a line and go too far with that line and get some you know, backlash and pull it and it goes away. Now, today, um, it's different. And I think you just have to be careful with all of that. And, and I think you see that every single day from every single celebrity, news person, sports right. figure um, across the board. It's very easy to put yourself in a position um, on anything where people go, that's it, I'm done. And are they? I don't know. But um, I think it, it requires much more thought. I also think in the short attention span theater in the world, if you said to me some of the the things that are the most relevant in the last five years, I bet you you could pick a, quite a number of them that in that five year span went from this was the belief and it's relevant to the exact opposite is now the belief and that's relevant. Right, it's, it's almost difficult to really latch on to a moment in time because that moment in time is intense but it's brief two weeks later it, it's gone, and people aren't talking about it anymore or and it seemed like the biggest thing that that's all anybody was talking about it um it, it's it's a it's a unique time in the world you know, and i I have a feeling it's only going to get more unique well
0: Vince was somebody who never shied away from those times where it's like oh this is happening screw it let's try to do some sort of angle or create come character with it this time around he said i'm staying away which is yeah but i would you say uncharacteristic cal- from him
2: he's always taken calculated risks yeah I, I don't think you know vince is not just a um a, a, a throw caution to the wind i'm just gonna go crazy and just do this unless he right. re- absolutely really believes in it um you know, they're, they're all calculated risks. Is here's the, here's the risk I want to take. Here's what could happen. If it goes badly, I'm willing to take that gamble and I'll take the shot at it. Um, You know, and, and when you are, I don't want this to make it sound like we're a cautious company because it, it but when you have more to lose and more on the line and more people that you're responsible for more families, more, more opportunities, bigger companies, bigger growth opportunities, you know, you're, you even just small shifts like going from Fox uh, um, USA cable to Fox broadcast and the level of, um, scrutiny and, and, um, Everything else that comes along with that, you know, you, you, it's a different ball game, and it's it's there are different rules and and things that you have to abide by. It's it's the calculated risk you have to you have to weigh it a lot more, and you have to be willing to um, if you're going to take the gamble, you have to make sure that you have the right gamble happening, and you're willing to take the, the, the downside if it goes that way.
0: I think in the past, when the WWE crossed lines with some of this stuff, it was always a wink, wink thing. And now I don't know if that wink-wink thing even exists. And and to your point, I'm not sure you could do it. Like even some yeah. of the stuff DX, the lines you guys tried to push in the late 90s. Yeah. In 2020, I just think people react differently to some of that stuff. I, I think there are
2: TV shows that were made five, ten years ago that you couldn't make today. Yeah. That people wouldn't – half the jokes in them, people would not allow you to make um, – People's sensitivity levels of things—it's—it's it's not a joke. It's you know, it's—it's it's a very, um, a very sensitive time, and and people have to be cautious about what they do. And and you're trying to be entertaining and and draw a line and and push the envelope, but you can only do it so much because the risk
0: is very severe. I think maybe the answer is you have the most woke wrestler possible who's just constantly offended by everybody else and that's just his gimmick. He never the, wrestles, he the woke should, warrior. He never worries. Yeah. He's just upset the whole time. He's sits in the everybody. back and
2: cries. He comes out every week <laughs> and guts a promo complaining about something.
0: Yeah. He's just trying to cancel everyone else on the roster. Uh yeah. Eventually he'll eventually he'll be the champion because everybody else gets canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Can you walk me through Vince McMahon at this stage of his life? What's he like? Is it is the battery starting to wear down? Is he is he still throwing a hundred miles an hour? Is he, uh, how many hours of sleep? Like what's going on with him? He he is a machine,
2: you know, um, it's hard. Sometimes when you talk about it and people go like, well, I, God, that can't be good for him. He's getting older and all that. So like, but yeah, but it, it it doesn't bother him. And he's, um, you know, he, he probably, I guess, given the circumstances, he's probably sleeping more than he ever has just because of the, the circumstances. Yeah, you don't have to travel, and, right. Yeah, no, and, and the way things are, so it's a, a lot less than it used to be. But he is still, I don't know that he missed a day at the office. And and it's a funny thing because it's just who he is. He's at the office every single day, even when no one was there. Like it's, Right. That's what he does. And, um, you know, but uh, he still trains every day. You know, if you go to the office and, you know, you go downstairs at... Uh, one or two in the morning, he's probably in there training. Um, Jesus. He's just a machine, but that's what keeps him going. You know, he eats incredibly well. He just, you know, he's a very routine and disciplined person. So his, his diet is on, his, you know, uh, all those things are there. Um, and, you know, he's, uh, it's hard, I think, for people to understand when people are driven to do something, this is his passion still to this day he's the most passionate person about this that i know and he will do it it's he doesn't get up thinking oh i gotta go to work today and i gotta make all these calls and i gotta do all this stuff i gotta sit with this and do that like he he gets up looking forward to doing it you know it's it's the uh all these years later it's still he's dating the new girl in a way Uh, like it's still like he can't wait to get up and get on the phone and do this stuff and go and and he just it's it's inspiring, it really is um do you that, think that you still get there and still have that passion for
0: everything? Do you think like you know forty five years from now when he dies, and they they it's like when Secretariat died and they did the autopsy and they realized Secretariat had a heart that was twice the size of a normal horse heart, and they were like, "Oh, that's why this was." Yeah. Like, what happens with Vince? Do they find out like he just didn't have blood? Or like what what know, are they gonna find out? Flair
2: Flair used to joke all the time, we we still say it to this day, that he's he saw this special, I don't remember what it was on, but some documentary special on these people that have this particular gene where they never get sick, they don't get, you know, diseases, they can abuse their themselves, you know, whatever physically um not eat well not work out not anything and they just live long healthy right. lives and right up until the time they die at 100 plus years old they're they're you know still just going and uh we used to say all the time he's got the gene the, the, you know uh, Rick's got the gene and that's why he's been able to survive everything he is and he's still right. going and he's still Rick Flair and if anybody has that gene it's Vince and, they, they, and that is something that when he passed which I'm convinced most of us will be gone before he does um th- th- i think they'll find something like that out. like he had some kind of crazy uh, Get a third uh, kidney an endurance thing like <laughs> it's a funny thing is too some of my kids uh, have it like where they're just like my oldest daughter can be like up all night and just going and uh, i'm like good lord she has her grandfather's stamina it's, it's insane what's grandfather vince like he's awesome They love him. You know, you know, he's busy and he's, uh, he works all the time, but when there's, Vince is a a funny guy that when he will work and do all the things, but when it comes down to it, if he needs to be there for something, for somebody family-wise or anything else, he is the guy that is right there. Um, he's there for the things that they need to do. He's there for their events and their moments, um, whether it's by phone or whether they're in person, I mean, you know, video or whether they're in person or whatever. Um, He's there, and and he's great, and he loves to have a good time with him. And um, it's it's funny when when with family stuff, he's a lot of an observer, so he he, he likes to sit and watch them do things and and uh, you know that kids do, and and that's his uh, blast. But they love him, and they love having him around, and he loves being around them. So it's
0: awesome. Your relationship with him, it's got to be one of the most unique relationships of any two men, right? Where he you grow up. In the WWE, he's your boss. You're battling him early. You become one of the biggest stars in one, in one of the foundations, but now you're married to his daughter. Now now he's uh, the grandfather of your kids, but now you're behind the scenes and he's your boss, and you're just navigating like basically every piece of Vince at the same time. I, don't, yeah, I can't no, imagine I... there's a lot of people who <laughs> have another person in their life like that. Nah,
2: I would imagine it's unique. Um... Look, I, you know, uh, anybody, if you ever read books on it or sh- see shows on it or anything else, family business is difficult, right? Because it's it's not, um, you don't walk away from it and you don't, right. uh, you know, you don't hang up the phone or you don't leave the office and go home and it's done and you forget about it and it's it's. 24 seven of your life and it's every component of it and it affects every component of it. So it's very unique and very difficult. And, um, there's a, there's a lot of factors and, and even, um, you know, how, how you react in business to each other because it's family and, um, you can treat your family different than, um, you would treat everybody else. And it's, it, there, there's just so many components to it, you know? Um, that it's, it's difficult, but it's at the same point in time, while it's difficult um, it's wonderful. And we, you know, we all share the same passion for doing this. Yeah. Um, I think it's the greatest form of entertainment and are so passionate about doing it and and being a part of it and seeing it grow for the next generation, whether that be my kids uh, or anybody else, you know, you, you just wanted to continue and, and to be everything that it can be. And we're all hell-bent on doing that. So at some point, while it's difficult, you're all working for the same cause, and you know that. What's the biggest
0: argument you've ever had with them? Was it when you are wrestling? Was there ever a time when you guys stopped talking?
2: (laughs) Probably not to do the Katie Vick angle. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, I think for both of us, we kind of get over that, you know, when we've had moments and you have There's a lot
0: of testosterone between the two of you.
2: Yeah. And you have moments and you have things that happen and come up and whatever, but then you get past it and you get over it. And look, for me, the other thing too, is for me that while it's all business, if, if it meant, um, the difference between my kids having their grandfather in their life and not and, and that was the call on business, I step away. If it it became that big of a problem, I would walk. Um, because it's not worth that at the end of the day. Um, but you know, it's, um, It's unique. Family business is tough, but it's awesome. It really is. I wouldn't change a thing. Well, I got
0: to tell you how you've affected my family. About, uh, let's say, two years ago, my son became enamored with Walter on NXT, and specifically the chest slaps. And (laughs) so being in the kitchen, like, I don't know, making coffee or something, and then he, would all of a sudden, you hear the Walter music. And you would be like, oh, no, where is he? And then my son would flat and nowhere, trying to chest slap me. And this has been the last two years of my life of him. It's almost like the Pink Panther when the Pink Panther would oh just my, get attacked yeah. by that dude. My son with the Walter theme, and he's really kind of mastered the chest slaps. Like, they hurt, and he's smaller, and he can go up, and you can't, like, get him back because it's hard to chest slap down. So
2: screw you, yeah. Walter, is my point. Plus, plus, it just looks bad. You run around I was just slapping the big <laughs> right, show, even, yeah. even if it's I'm in losing the that. And and let me just tell you something else that that to me is the guys. Everybody always would say, like, "Oh my god, when Big Show would chop you, it had to be the worst thing ever." And I would say no, because hands so big, right? And like it, to to me, it was different. I, it always the guys that hurt worse for me were the guys with the little hands. Their hands are hard, they chop hard. and Like, like whips, so get, yeah. Y- yeah, and, and there's a smaller surface there, and it just would crack in. Like, God, you know. So I'm imagining his hands aren't ginormous yet, so he probably is, uh, it's probably a lot more painful than a, a normal chop. Well, at least I'll give you that anyway, so it, it doesn't sound it really like hurts. you're complaining that a child is chopping you.
0: Well, I I think I told you this when we're on the phone. So I have like six months left, I think, before he could. He might be able to beat me in a fight. Cause he's like yeah. five, three and a half and he's thick. Like he's future wrestler kind of body. Yeah. And I'm just kind of, he's kind of looking at me now and I can see he's kind of sizing me up. Like there's a moment when there's gonna be the play wrestle where he's gonna be like, I think I can take him. So yeah. I don't know, I'm just gonna enjoy these last six months but the slaps hurt. And there's been a big shift in the Simmons house. He has this whole library of WWE moves. He studied <laughs> since he was age four. And I'm just I'm I'm behind the eight ball on this. Let me know when you need
2: him to come to the performance center. So I roll around a little bit to get him off of you.
0: He's he's ready. Remember, he came a couple years ago, he, he did, did a whole entrance. He,
2: yeah. He's ready. I yeah, know he did. He had a blast. But uh, you know, the
0: physicality side of it, if I can wear him out of the performance center, maybe he won't be you up so much at all. <laughs> yeah, home. that's true. How has the performance <laughs> center been hurt the last five months? Have you still been able to work with your guys the same way and, and ladies? Mm-hmm.
2: No, that's been the craziest part
0: is we really
2: haven't been able to get in there. We've tried to keep the environment as pristine as possible. You know, um, NXT is still, still shot with our partners. Ron Smackdown shot out of the Performance Center. Uh, we flipped it to a, uh, a studio, so to speak. Yeah. And, oh, so you, you know, haven't every, been able to work out with them at all? No,
0: every, every square inch
2: of it has been, you know, used for television. Plus, the other side of that is just medically, like uh, – you know, we were operating on a close set with essential personnel, but the training side of it was, you know, it's not necessarily essential. So we're trying to limit that. And um, we've just started back. We have a, a secondary facility. We just started back training. Um, you know, it, it even even that well, that to put together the medical protocols that everybody has to go through on a day to day basis to even get in the ring and train and do strength and conditioning work and everything else. It's very, very stringent. Um, you know, now we're getting the performance center back because. Of the the right, uh, Thunder Dome, uh, you know that will start debuting this Friday on uh, Fox. On how time. many and how so, many
0: matches for you this year? Uh, right now, zero. Uh, hopefully, you, it will it, be zero. You're unofficially retired because you're not retired because you'll definitely wrestle maybe once a year at some point.
2: I just feel like there's a moment where you where go like I'm retired and then. You're not like, I'd rather just not say it. And if the right opportunity comes up that everybody believes is right. And I feel like I can do it without it uh, falling apart me or, or the match. um, Then, okay. I would consider it. I'm not at a point yet where I would say like, absolutely not under any circumstances, Um, probably not that far off. But the the thing for me, that's good is I'm, I'm so uh, transitioned over and satisfied with, the other aspects of my career, my life and everything else. Like I get as much um, fun and excitement out of watching others do it and, and succeed at it. So, you know, I, I always will use this analogy that for me, NXT for me in a way, and, and even main roster watching the guys and the girls, cause they all come through there, but it's, um, it's the difference between as exciting as your own career is, than watching your kids succeed at something. It's a different level of yeah. um, passion and excitement and and the pride that you feel so while it was exhilarating for you i've been there done that side of it now for me the other side is almost better i'd i i almost prefer the you know the the helping them uh gu- guide whatever aspects we can to that and giving them those opportunities to go out there and shine and then you know th- one of the coolest things about doing is getting to do it with my best friend so i'm sitting at Gorilla position, side by side with Sean, like two giddy little kids jumping up and down because uh, you know something that we help somebody with, or we're watching them succeed, or that light bulb go off for the first time, or them have that that level of success that they only dreamed about. Um, watching people because uh, you know what it meant to you, so watching them succeed at that dream is um, is incredible. And and to me, at this point, if if no, if the opportunity doesn't come again for me to step into the ring. I get asked it a lot. I I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. It would, I wouldn't be like, oh man, I missed those last few years. I should have done it when I could have, you know.
0: Well, I went to, uh, what was Batista a year and a half ago? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was in the front row with my insane son. Yeah. And you guys beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. I mean, it was not one of those, it was like, yeah, we'll sneak triple H in the and, but we'll take it easy on him. You know, he hasn't wrestled a while. I was like, you guys were like killing each other. And I was actually worried for both of you. It's, um, it's one of those things where like you, I think you, you either have to do
2: it or you don't. Right. And It was and obvious from, from that it. night. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, we both went in there with that mentality. We just have to do it. Dave wanted to make sure it was going to be his last one. You know, this was him coming to me and saying, this is what I'd like to do. This is how I'd like to do it. And okay. You know, for him. And so uh, I just wanted to hold up my end of the bargain on it and and make sure that he had the out that he was looking for. Um, and he did, and it was very successful and I was happy with that. Um, but you kind of got to just go do it. And if you are at the place where you really can't commit to it anymore, um, when we were in evolution, uh, every single night we'd be in some small town somewhere and I'd watch flair, throw somebody out to the floor and then throw them out there and have them backdrop them on the floor, suplex them on the floor. And I would, every night you'd get a locker room and I'd go, would you stop doing that? Like you don't need to do it. You don't need to do it. But in his mind, he still wanted to prove that he could do it and take those things and do those things. It was like a, a proof point for him. For me, it's not necessarily a proof point, but it's like, if you're going to do it. If that's what I would have done then, that's what I got to do. I just still want to be able to go out there and do it. Get
0: him. This is fun. Congrats on the uh Thunderdome. It was good to see you. Good luck with <laughs> Thanks. SummerSlam. Summerslam Thanks a- Don't
2: don't forget though, the, Don't forget also Summerslam is Sunday, but Saturday night, NXT TakeOver
0: 30. Oh, you act like oh, I don't movie. know NXT TakeOver is Saturday uh, night. Come I, on. I know you do, but
2: you didn't bring it up to promote it. You had made me come on the Fair. end and, and, and window it myself. So now I gotta talk about it with karrion Cross and Keith Lee. One of the biggest matches we've ever done in NXT and Eoshirai, Dakota Kai. I mean, it's gonna be a spectacular night. People shouldn't miss it. It'll be, uh, there's going to be one for the books. Congrats. Good to see you. Talk to you soon. Good to see you too, man. Yeah, I look forward to doing it again. We got to do it on a quicker cadence this time, not uh, five years or whatever. 100%. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, man. Tell your son, hey, take a chop for me.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks to Triple H. Thanks to Joe House. Thanks to Spotify. Don't forget, new rewatchables coming on Wednesday. Caddyshack is up there now. And we have one more podcast coming on Thursday night. See that.